some people think horror is going to put that anxiety into you, but in a weird way, it kind of releases it. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome to Creative Ops, a podcast for creative people. Hey everybody, Christopher Talon, host of Creative Ops, a podcast for creative people. I am a creative person, I am a writer, I wrote the book Switchers, you can check it out at ChristopherTalon.com, that'll be in the show notes. But today's not about me, today's about a different writer, his name is Sean Burgess. He's from Jacksonville, Florida, where I used to live, we talk about that a little bit, and he writes in the horror, supernatural, dark, weird shit type genre, which I also write in, and uh, we know a lot of the same people in the writing circles. We have a good conversation. We talk about writing, how he does it. We do things just a little bit differently, and that's okay. It takes all kinds to make the world go round. And for all the people out there that are trying to get some inspiration from this, you'll see a couple different ways that people do things. So, you know, find what works for you, adapt, and move forward. All right, folks. Sean Burgess is, like I said, an author. He's got a new book coming out that's called Sour Roots, which is the prequel. It's a novella, by the way. And it's a prequel to the novel that he wrote called The Tear Collector. And then in the fall, he's going to have another book coming out that's going to be the sequel. And that'll all be packaged up as as a nice uh, little trilogy there. You guys got a great style. It's fun to read. Puts you right in there with the characters. And, uh, you know, not unlike my book, it's centered around kids. It has that coming-of-age feel. And kids got to put on their big boy pants. So, uh, really good book. Can't can't recommend The Tear Collector enough. And uh, I'm going to go out right now and get Sour Roots because uh, that's got to go in my TBR pile. All right, folks. Here it is with Sean Burgess. Enjoy. People that have listened to the show more than once have probably heard me, me say this story, so I'll keep it short. I used to uh, go to my grandma's house for like, you know, one or two nights on a weekend just to give my parents a break. And when she had something to do, she would just get out a typewriter, stack a paper and be like, write me a story about a mouse that gets stuck on a NASA rocket and goes into outer space. I'm like, okay. And that was just out of boredom. You know, there was no TV. Uh, well, I mean, there was three channels with a click knob. no internet so as a kid that's what i started doing to entertain myself and it just kind of stuck as i grew up yeah i mean for for me i think sort of the same although i didn't really have anyone like um i guess prompting me to write stories but i remember like when i was in elementary school like writing some story about like this haunted house and there being this like pit of maggots and um my parents and their, their like good friends read it and they they got like such biggest kick out of that and like even then i was sort of drawn to like the horror uh genre i don't really know why so much but which because yeah because just looking at you you wouldn't automatically guess oh that guy writes horror because you don't dye your hair black and like have heavy metal black fingernails and you know like things that would make somebody be like oh that dude looks like he's disturbed you know what i mean yeah so i will say 
probably some of it had to do with my parents were always big into Halloween and mm. they did a big uh, JC's fundraiser every year. And their biggest fundraiser was like putting on a haunted house. So I say that, like I did have some exposure <laughs> early on and just kind of loved uh, the holiday. And I think uh, horror writing sort of goes along <laughs> with that. And then so as I got older, that was elementary school, you were already writing and not just writing, but writing stuff that was already on the, on the darker side. Yeah, definitely. And then like through high school and stuff, I, you know, continued to write and um, I wrote my first uh, novel. It's terrible. It's sitting in the attic collecting dust. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote my first novel when I was like, you know, probably about like 19 years old, like right out of high school and yeah. um, while I was going to college at the time and, and wrote that. And, you know, at, at that point I, I knew I could do it and I always wanted to come back to it but sort of life took over college took over yeah um, i didn't do a whole lot of writing we you know i met my wife we had kids so we could circle around in 2015 i was reading a book to my oldest son brooks and uh i was like hey i you know i used to write i wrote a book and he's like oh yeah write me one <laughs> so i don't think he ever like understood like the big massive undertaking he was asking me to do and then i wrote the tear collector but it turned out being not age appropriate at all <laughs> i would say how old is your son or how and old was he, he at the time that you kind of took on the writing he's 11 he's about to be 12 at the time you know it was 2015 i guess i would have made him about seven <laughs> okay yeah 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 i was gonna say 12 yeah eh. Well, he read it. Depending on the like, kid. Yeah. He read it when he was nine. <laughs> um, that's probably bad parenting on my part. <laughs> I I tried not to let my kid read my book because I say, like, you know, it's it's kind of PG thirteen. Um, nothing too terrible, but he he's nine now. And uh when we went to this coffee shop where I, they let me put a copy of my book out, he just picked it up and started reading it. And next thing I know, I was talking to a friend. He's like 17 pages deep. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, there's a, um, so I'm about halfway through your book, so I apologize. <laughs> I, oh, it. No, I, dude, I read so slowly. I've, so I, I. I've had your book, and then it took me a while to get to that because I was reading. Oh, there it's Now it's in frame. I had your book, but it took me a while to get to because I was reading Brandon Scott's book, and I was reading that very slowly. Then I read this. Now I'm reading Brian Boyer's book very slowly, but it, he's also a very good writer, too. So I will say this about your book, though. It's, like, uh, very fast-paced. Um, yeah. Like, that's not the problem. The problem is carving out the time. And no, no, uh, I, I hear you. And summer, for some reason, just seems like that's when there should be all the time, the longer days. And yeah. it just it just disappears. Time disappears. Hours disappear. You're like, oh, wait, it's 7 o'clock already? Shit. Yeah, right? Oh, so yeah, I got yours right here. I love that cover. Yay. Who did your oh, yeah, uh, thanks. cover art? Uh, a guy named Kirk Russ, and he does a podcast too called A Talk in the Attic. And he's uh, like self-taught as far as art and music goes. He's an engineer by trade. Oh, wow. Um, and that was the first book cover he'd ever done, but he'd done some like animation and stuff for his podcast. And he does some really cool promotions with different artistic uh, apps and things. So I was like, hey, man, you want to do a book cover for me? And he's like, I'll take a shot at it. So... <laughs> Oh, like, if you don't like it, you don't have to use it, and I loved it. So, that's kind of funny. I mean, that's I feel like that's sort of how 
like my last covers came about too because I was talking to uh, well I was admiring Ava Mouts uh, I don't know if you ever seen her work on Twitter um, well is that who did yours guess who did uh, the new one so there's yeah, two, yeah yeah I saw the yeah. I saw her post with your book yeah 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 with uh, Sour Roots so she did one also for uh, the Tear Collector because we're going to re-release that in September oh yeah and she did one for uh, the sequel to that which is Ghosts of Grief Kala with Oh, you said sequel. I was like, yeah, prequel. That already happened. But no, the sequel. Okay, okay. The yeah, story yeah. continues now. Okay. Yeah, so different timeline. Do you know when that's coming out yet? Or is that still all in the, the works October, pretty heavily? October uh, 25th is oh, the oh. sequel. Yeah. We don't and have to wait very long at all. No, and September 1st is um, the re-release of uh, the Tear Collector. But it's probably actually going to release under a different name called Tears of Grief Hollow. Um, okay. Just to sort of like make this series branding match a little bit. It sounds like when you wrote this book, you weren't thinking series, or if you were, then maybe just more ideas came into play later, and you ended up adjusting like with the title, like you were saying. So, which, uh, <laughs> which that's not really a question. Which, which was it? Did you were you thinking series, or were you thinking standalone? Uh, so I think initially I was thinking standalone, but I I know that you've read the Tear Collector. It sort of ends and. A part that sort of begs for a, a sequel <laughs> yeah so my, my publisher was right away like hey we we would like you to write a sequel and um i was already like halfway into another novel so i sort of reversed <laughs> reverse course and uh then wrote the sequel but for a little while i mean just be honest with you i wasn't sure exactly where i was going going to go with it so i sort of marinated on it for about six months um yeah. you know while working on some other things so you weren't like under contract with the, I didn't have with a deadline. the yet or anything like that? Yeah, I didn't have a deadline, but um, I knew they wanted to. I mean, they had expressed interest in publishing a second uh, novel in the series. Nice. I don't want to completely leave the tear collector and well, uh, what, what what are you calling the, the series as a whole? Just the grief hollow? Just curse of grief, the curse of grief hollow. Okay, so we will come back to that in a second, but I'm curious about the novel that you were already working on when they were like, hey, 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 uh, bring your attention back to this. Is that something that you just abandoned? Is that something you're working on now or you plan to come back to? Uh, so right now I've been uh, working on it some, but I may drop it again. I, it, I'm i finding it hard to sort of get back into the flow of where I was. Now, I'm yeah. sort of in love with the premise on that one. Um so I, I can probably tell you a little bit about it without giving too much away, but there's this yeah. family, something terrible happens in Memphis and um, they end up moving to this inherited property in East Tennessee. And there's like these three adjacent towns where these strange miracles start happening and nobody can really figure it out. There's this like charismatic uh, Pentecostal preacher there and the boy's health is um, seriously declining at the same time. So. That's kind of the jumping, jumping off point. And then it's sort of like a, a mystery urban fantasy with like elements of horror. I mean, I don't ever stray too far away from the yeah. horror tree. Do you know why horror? Like, I mean, you said that your, your family was really into Halloween, but was was there a particular story that you read i mean the first time i read a stephen king book i was probably 21 
um, and it was the dead zone, but I was just like, oh my God, I, I got to read another one. And I read like five or six Stephen King books in a row before I switched authors. And I think um, probably him more than anybody else, but also when I was really young, I was into, um, oh, what's what's his name? John Bellers, uh, mm-hmm. or Bellairs, however people want to say it, uh, that wrote The House with a Clock in Its Walls and The Ghost mm-hmm. in the Mirror and those kinds of books. So I guess I was always kind of slightly attracted to that stuff. And I watched <laughs> movies that were like, rated our horror movies when I was in right. elementary school that I definitely shouldn't have watched. It probably just warped me. And I was like, well, now nothing will do anything to me. That's what basements were for. Cause you could get away with watching whatever you wanted to watch. Yeah. Um, so were you like a sneak away and watch stuff you weren't supposed to kind of kid, or did you get a hold of some literature? Yeah, and really I, moved you? Honestly, I used to read like a, a lot of horror short stories too, like scary hmm. stories to tell in the dark, that kind yeah. of stuff. Loved all that kind of stuff. And then uh, the first horror novel I ever uh, got exposed to who was it and like from there it was over man i loved it i'm like this is fantastic you could just kind of fall into this uh world and it, the thing i love about horror right is like there's real horrors in the world but sort of you read horror obviously terrible things happen in there but like it is sort of a contained space yeah uh, yeah, Stephen King said something about horror one time that like there are real monsters in the world and it's it's easier to deal with the real evil that's like, you know, kind of mysterious and you don't know where it's coming from when you can personify it so like totally in a book and just kind of mm-hmm. pull all that anxiety out of you. It's almost like some people think horror is going to put that anxiety into you, but in a weird way it kind of releases it. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other really cool things is like you sort of get to explore characters in, in a lot of different ways that you probably wouldn't otherwise unless it's horror because when all this traumatic stuff is happening you sort of get to the essence of of who they are pretty quickly yeah who breaks who stands out who who's gonna turn around and leave on you and yeah right so you, you kind of get down to like their fundamental core and i i kind of dig that about horror yeah Okay, let's talk a little bit about your actual writing process then. Have you always been somebody who kind of has a full idea in your head and don't usually stray too far from that idea from, you know, start to finish? Or are you like me? I I just, I'm a pantser. I see how I feel that day. Yeah, I mean, I would say when I first started, I was definitely a panther. I, I would say I'm somewhat of a hybrid now because I, mm. I just typically have an, a beginning and an end, which the end could change depending on how how the writing goes. And yeah, in my mind, and I usually have like several pivotal scenes in my mind, and then I sort of just connect the dots. But I have no fear whatsoever, and like if a line of dialogue takes me in a completely different direction, I have sort of no fear whatsoever and like following that where it leads. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Jen, well, our mutual friend, Jen Susie, yeah. and uh, also Brandon Scott said uh, he does kind of the same thing where he'll more or less have a bullet list of like, I think this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. But you know, the last two might not happen some days, you know? Right, for sure, or like completely unexpected things happen that you just didn't really plan on, but just kind of set themselves up perfectly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh man, this is like a great opportunity to sort of run with this. Yeah. So, well, you had younger kids then at the time, not 
not like super young diapers and that kind of stuff right but um still need attention so did you have a, a hard time getting time to write because i i'm the kind of person that needs to know that i'm not going to be interrupted for at least an hour <laughs> or or just mentally i can't get in the right space you know yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, I was seven and, or my kids were uh, seven and five at the time. And uh, I was tra- I was doing about 100 overnights a year for work. So traveling mm-hmm. extensively for work. So most of the tier collector was written at like 30,000 feet on planes and then hotel rooms. Um, and like at the <laughs> at, you know, at my table while eating dinner. I mean, I, I pretty furiously worked on that for about nine months. Um, yeah and, and just while i was traveling because i wasn't sacrificing any family time that way and then fast yeah, forward <laughs> oh go ahead no i was just saying that's that's like a fantastic use of that time because i also enjoy writing when i'm in transit or you know just somewhere where you're stuck <laughs> yeah but it's kind of weird when you're writing like a, a super intense horror scene and like the person next to you on the plane is like kind of yeah and you're like and, and their chest, chest was ripped open like a buffet like ah <laughs> i don't think that's exactly how you said it in your book but yeah, yeah. it was yeah pretty uh, good stuff and when they find the guy that and they're like oh it must have been a bear attack and they're like my ass yeah <laughs> so um you know when the pandemic came around that changed a lot of things because i wasn't traveling anymore i was like on video calls all day long you know my kids were doing the learn at home thing which is totally oh, dude. <laughs> i don't know how it was in florida but it was miserable yeah. in michigan oh no it was, it was um it was not good i learned that you know me working full-time my wife working full-time uh, and trying to make sure they're doing their school stuff full-time you know it's not a recipe for success <laughs> Yeah. So I had to like totally change things up. So, you know, given that my schedule totally changed. So now I write from like 10 PM to like 2 AM. It's like my typical writing time. Now I'm not a night guy anyway. Yeah. I'm definitely a night owl. Okay. I I love to, to write at night, but now I have to get up at like seven, (laughs) seven seven in the morning. So I'm perpetually tired, but yeah, (laughs) it's worth it. You know? Yeah. You got to get it in. I haven't, I haven't sat down and written in a while just because, well, I haven't done much of anything in a while. You're the first person I've interviewed in a minute because uh, I've been kind of on a forced vacation just so I can have a couple of weeks to <laughs> to relax. But uh, so, I mean, your your typical routine, though, is just like whenever you can carve out the my routine lately has just been that I haven't done much of anything the last almost month. But uh, yeah, when the kids are at school, I'll write for a couple hours in the day, maybe uh work on trying to do some podcast stuff, some social media stuff. And it's kind of a, kind of a routine that I can get that all done in, you know, five to six hours every day, but summertime all out the window, man, just anytime I can yeah. 30 minutes here, a half a page there, just writing down some bullets. Like, Ooh, the next time I write, I should do this, this, and this, and then pick up the notes two weeks later be like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. What was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, when they get back to school, my, my process will get back in into its thing and I'll, regain my sanity but um yeah you have uh kids going to daycare then during the no during the so now, now my kid now my kids are 11 and uh one's about to be uh 12 here. oh that's what and, you said just about yeah, to be 12 and yeah the, and the other one's nine so like <laughs> i mean at this point they yeah. uh don't want as much to do with me <laughs> yeah 
you'll get there Chris. yeah no i've i've got two uh two older kids than that too i've got a about to be 21 year old and okay. a 14 year old just starting starting high school this year too oh man you got your, you got, you got your hands full yeah but the you know like the 20 year old and the 14 year old they come out for food or every now and then they'll be like so-and-so sent me something on and, you know they'll show me their phone i'll be like oh that's great and then they're like all right see you later and then i don't see them again for a couple hours <laughs> yeah Which, uh, my kids are you know it's it's interesting because we're we're outside of our house right now like at a temporary house because we had like a little flood but oh uh, no yeah so I hear that man oh i appreciate it man that sucks <laughs> was there down. was there a tropical storm or something or what was it uh no tankless hot water heater just uh shit the bed on the second floor and uh oh. poured hundreds of gallons of water through the kitchen ceiling oh my god yeah so we're um we're uh <laughs> estranged from our home we're like uh, a couple of blocks from the ocean so it's nice i mean that, that part yeah doesn't suck but uh yeah, i'm ready to be back home For anybody that hasn't read The Tear Collector already, now that you've got a prequel, Mm -hmm. but it came out after the first book came out, would you recommend to somebody read the prequel first or to read them in the order chronologically in which they came out? I think you can read them in in any order. Um, As a matter of fact, even the third book, I think you could, I mean, I wouldn't recommend this, but (laughs) I I think even the third book you can read without the context of The Tear Collector. And it's not that it it sort of like goes and explains everything that happened, but you can glean enough context uh, from that to understand the storyline of the first book. Now, I will say like you would miss a ton of character development and stuff in the uh, Tear Collector. And I think the fun of that story, Um, but as it relates to the actual prequel and the Tear Collector, and then it's sequel, the prequel is set in 1932 in Harper Pass. So it's like the same universe, but totally different characters. It's a, it's really a different sort of bend too on the, the storyline because it sort of makes a supernatural horror and crime um, in a like thriller type pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty different uh, than the Tear Collector, but some, some elements, um, you know, obviously would be familiar to people that I've read uh the tear collector all right well let's start with the tear collector because that's the one that i've read give somebody just kind of like your elevator pitch if somebody oh you wrote a book what's it about these four boys that get caught in this police investigation for their missing autistic classmate and as they start to try to figure out what happened to her and help essentially find her their story sort of interweaves with a detective, Detective Holt, who's also trying to locate this missing girl. And as they get deeper into this mystery, they start to realize that, you know, there's a lot more going on in this town than, you know, just this missing girl. And essentially, they have to solve this mystery and sort of save themselves by saving their town. But if you like, um, if you like mystery, thriller, horror... Uh, blood curse, small town type stories. I, I think it's a story that'll resonate with you, especially the the coming of age aspect. Yeah, and that's one thing I wanted to ask is uh, when you when you came up with this story, did you have any of the characters, one of the characters, all the characters, kind of pretty well thought out, or did you kind of have the idea for the story and then kind of started playing to see who the characters were going to be? Because I'm. I tend to be more of a like, 
I kind of like to mess around with characters just with little doodle writings mm-hmm. and then go, ooh, this character feels good. And then I'll put them into a story. So uh, three of the central characters or three of the protagonists, Brooks, T, and Robbie, uh, they all started from me just basically uh, starting writing dialogue between yeah. them. And then like very quickly, I knew who each of those people really was, like mm-hmm. sort of at their core. And then everything sort of came from there. But I will say Brooks is <laughs> fashioned on my son, who shares the, the name Brooks, who demanded that his name be in there. <laughs> okay, yeah, that was going to be another question, too, was yeah. how, how did that go over with your with your kid getting uh, his name put in the character? Oh, he loved it. He demanded it, first of all. <laughs> And then he demanded his brother Brady be in it, and yeah. also his mom Kirsten. So if if you've read it, you'll you'll notice that all three of those names are in there. Is now is there a Sean in here? There is not. There's no way I'm putting my name in there. <laughs> no. Would you Would you ever go the? Uh, oh, oh, what is it? The uh, The Dark Tower route, isn't it? Stephen King wrote himself into one of his books. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's my flavor. No. <laughs> but, but I don't know. Who knows? Like if, if the opportunity presents itself, you know, one of my uh, favorite books last year or one that I really enjoyed was uh, Chasing the Boogeyman. And mm-hmm. Richard Schismar sort of like weaves in himself, obviously. I mean, it's it's fiction, but it's set up to be like sort of like this crime thriller, mm-hmm. um, but like sort of like true crime type novel. I don't know if you read it. No, but, no, I haven't. But I know my buddy Josh Marcel, he loves richard chismar because he's a he's a mainer oh there you go (laughs) so he he like essentially like he was the central character and it was just like interesting kind of the way he did that and he set it up like a total true crime book there's like photos all through it 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 was like really cool kind of uh experience and then like there's a lot of mention of like cemetery dance and all that stuff yeah yeah. uh, in there so it was it was pretty cool i thought that was pretty neat it was a clever idea yeah. Okay. Going back to um, the tier collector. Yeah, we'll still call it the tier collector until it comes out with a new name. Yeah. Um, what's the name of the the kid that uh, comes in a little bit later into the thing? The Dev. surfer kid. Dev. Yeah. 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 Devin. Yeah. Okay. So he comes into the story a little bit later. Um, he's not one of the like initially introduced kids. Did you have this character? I, I thought he was a cool character. Um, like actually just like a cool kid <laughs> but a cool character too um uh was that something where you're like something's missing and inserted that in or did you have like this idea coming into it like oh you know what just to kind of keep things moving along we'll have this other new voice kind of thrown into the mix of things uh, at a at a later time yeah i mean it was sort of like on the fly but um you know, I, I thought it would be fun to like sort of like mix in somebody that's not really from there, like little tiny small town, like somebody yeah, yeah. that, you know, has sort of like, um, you know, outside influences that sort of drive their behavior. And if you notice, like not very long after that, it sort of like drives the storyline because Dev has these experiences outside of Harper Pass that those boys probably just wouldn't have. Um, so they have sort of an epic paintball fight at one point <laughs> um, I well i was thinking for a second that it was really happened, kicks the kid in the nuts but that's brooks that kicks the kid in the nuts yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You, gotta, yeah. you gotta have some like nut kicking in your stories you gotta at least once <laughs> it's coming of age you know
sorry if that's a spoiler alert for anybody there is some nut kicking so if if that's a trigger for you i've seen <laughs> i've seen people that write i'm trying not to be insensitive or laugh when i say this but i've seen people that write reviews for horror novels that are just like i don't know why you had to like kill a child character like oh, i mean you're reading a horror novel yeah. <laughs> you're reading a horror novel like yeah. something in that is going to happen it's going to be upsetting on yeah. purpose like yeah, yeah. If, if you're like i i was okay with it until they killed a kid like i hope that reader stays away from my book <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. yeah so i don't know have you ever had anybody uh i haven't looked real deep on your reviews have you ever had anybody be like this book just upset me no you know i haven't had anybody like do um, say anything about the kids? You know, the one thing that that I'm surprised that I haven't gotten is, you know, there there's a scene and it and it makes sense with sense with the plot, and it's not like animal cruelty on the page, but something happens to these animals, and it's a pretty gory scene, and it, it is purposeful in that it's it's sort of part of the plot, and it um, comes into play and sort of explains uh something that happened and like the severity of of whatever it is that attacked uh these animals but i i am a little surprised that i didn't get dragged a little bit for that because i know people are very sensitive like i love animals i grew up with animals yeah people are like very you know sensitive about their their pets and stuff but i i do try to handle it in a in a somewhat less uh it's still graphic, but like it's not like animal. But it has a it has a purpose. It's not there just to be like I'm gonna gross you out. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. Do you ever get that way? Do you ever go like, man, I'm just really gonna, I'm just really gonna treat my audience to something awful right now? Or do you usually just let it be driven by by the story? I sort of let it be driven by the story, and you know, I mean, because I mean, I, you've probably read too, like especially independent books. Um, you see people get away with more sometimes. There are some people that it's just like page after page of just intense shit that you almost have to go like, man, I don't know if I can. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I can great. read half of this. <laughs> go get oh. a hug from somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but I don't, I don't get that. I don't get the impression from you that uh, because anytime there's like child violence or anything like that or mm-hmm. animal cruelty, potentially, allegedly, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Um, you know, it's it's kind of tricky, but uh, yeah, I think everything that I've read in your book, it seems story driven. It doesn't seem unnecessary or just like, just to be gratuitous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say like, there's, there's some intense things that happen in it, and there's some gory moments and, um, yeah. Like we know, alluded but... to somebody's body being like popped open, like a bag of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I mean, at the end of the day, that's horror too. And yeah, I, I definitely don't ever set out to like gross anyone out. I think that's just the way the the story sort of evolves. If, if you're dealing with some kind of creature um, that sort of has, you know, uh, more than human abilities, like there's going to be some consequences to that and it sort of ups the stakes. So you, you need to sort of show some of that on, on the page to, you know, lend some credibility to your, you know, how dangerous your uh, villain is. Yeah.
if you had to wrap up your your process in that neat of a way in terms of uh you know writing your first draft or zero draft depending on the buzzwords that you use all the way to finished product what's your kind of macro overview of that i mean i type everything up on a word processor typically i am like revisiting the chapter prior on a new writing session mm. just and, and i'll make edits like I'll i'll edit continuously while i'm writing a book um i just feel like to me i know that's like not the process that most people use but to me that just like helps keep me in line with where i'm going with the story make sure there's no major plot holes or or anything along the way and then you know once i wrap it up get to the end and i'll go over it a thousand times i mean obviously that's a little bit hyperbole there but yeah yeah it feels it well you know it's funny that you said a thousand because i talked to before i ever had a podcast or wrote my book even um Stephen James, and he said that he can pretty much set a timer now for a thousand hours. And by the time he gets to a thousand hours, he's more or less done with the book. He might just have a few things to do. So he's got it down to a science. It's like, yep, it takes me a thousand hours to write a novel. It is a big investment of time. That is for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I would be curious to like go back and figure out what my hourly wage is on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know people do this people love it yeah because and and for me too like sitting down and let's hit my microphone sitting down and air quotes writing for two hours might be a page or not even a whole page whole page some days and some days i think uh one day i had to stop myself i had flipped like 16 17 pages just on a legal pad mm -hmm. and i was like i should probably stop and write some of, type some of this out before i keep going right <laughs> before you write the whole thing and then have to type the whole thing yeah because that's another thing that i've i've already said him a couple times brandon scott he he likes to write by hand but he's like man it's just so hard to write by hand and then go back and type it all I was like, yeah it's so it sucks but people say you know you uh people say i, th I think there's been studies done that like it, you sort of access a different part of your brain when you're like writing that way versus typing yeah, yeah. i actually I wrote about it especially if you write in cursive if you write in cursive particularly then you're really deep accessing your brain yeah that's uh, to me i find that pretty interesting like i i can't imagine myself personally like move, moving away from typing because it's the most efficient way that that I can do things, but I can see how there would be some huge advantages to like writing it out. And then when you're typing it again, I think that gives you opportunities to sort of um, maybe see things in a different way that you might not have noticed. Yeah. the other. Yeah. And I think actually the person that put the idea in my head first, write it down then type it out was um, Ernest Hemingway. He's like, you'll catch a lot of stuff, things that shouldn't be there, things that should be there between writing it and then typing it out. Um, but honestly, I just found that anytime I wrote my first draft on the computer, mm -hmm. I would cut out so much of it. And I, I think I just got distracted by all the yellow and red lines. It's like, <laughs> did you mean this or try this word? Did you want to have a comma here? It's like, I don't right. need that much distraction while I'm right. just trying to generate ideas. So for me, it just got it in my way. And I, I don't think I ever really got in a flow. Yeah, that makes sense. So for me, it's not like I do this because it's the true artistic way. It's like, no, dude, I'm I'm a little bit too neurodivergent. And I, I get distracted on a computer and I'll flip over and start looking at my Instagram or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I just found my most recent Time Suck, which is a pretty awesome site. Are you on Slasher? Slasher? No. 
Okay, so it's like an app. I think it's only app delivered. I don't think you can get it like on the web, but it is like 100% devoted to like horror. And it's just like, it's like a social media like site. And it it is awesome. (laughs) Like, I have to say, I really like my uh, my feed on Slasher. It's all about movies, books, different things, anything horror, man. And it, you know, it's just awesome. You just huh. network with uh, you know, meet people who are into the same stuff as you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I'll have to ask a couple of my friends about that. You know, uh, TJ, TJ Tranchel. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I was gonna say that sounds like something he'd probably be into too. He actually edited my book. I don't know if you saw that on the inside cover. I did. And do yeah. you know what he's? Do you know what he's writing right now? He told me he was working on, a, or he's about to work on a nonfiction um, thing, but I'm not sure what that was. No, 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 right? He's working on the novelization of Footloose. He was actually commissioned what? to write it. Yeah, because he uh, one of his books was listed um, for Fifty States, Fifty Scares, and I think it was Cry Down Dark was the scariest yeah. book that take pl- took place in Utah. Yeah, the producers of Footloose saw that and they're like, oh. He's let's get him then. He's a good writer from Utah. He'll he'll be able to do Footloose because Footloose takes place in Utah. That's funny. So he's doing the novelization of Footloose. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that is awesome. Um, Speaking of TJ, I just (laughs) I just bought a uh, Jason Voorhees belt buckle from him. (laughs) 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 He listed he listed a few like horror items on there. I'm like, I'll take that. Thank yeah, you. good for you. Yeah, because I think he's actually trying to raise a little money for his uh, trip out to Utah for to do some more research. Yeah, and, that's uh, what you're saying. I was I was thinking it was a nonfiction project project, but I didn't realize it was the novelization of Footloose. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think we broke the news officially on this podcast too, so that was pretty fun. Nice. nice. Yes. <laughs> nice display when you sell things in public you you seem like you know where to make the rounds and not just where to make the rounds but how to make the rounds the first two times i set up a table to sell books Mm. i just had a table i didn't have anything that said who i was or like a nice stand i just had like books sitting there and people would walk by and kind of (laughs) like just just keep going like because all the other people had like these nice displays things up behind them and i was just a guy at a table and i was like hi (laughs) <laughs> so uh first of all what's your what's your kind of uh story and evolution behind finding places to sell and then actually working those places so i had never actually been to a horror con so i did ask uh some friends who are writers who who had been just to kind of see you know what their experience was but i i would think that's genuinely your best way is to like go around look at booths so what i did was went online and just like you know searched everything i could find about like what you know booths look like and i just i didn't want to feel like sort of out of place yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) once i got there so the first one that i ever did was uh uh scares that care author con which turned out to be like an absolutely fabulous event yeah Uh, you were just at the most recent one right yeah, I was at the uh, charity weekend, which was also a blast. And yeah, you had some great picks from that. Yeah, I love that. I mean, so you know my background, loving Halloween, like that is like right up my alley. Like people are like decked out, yeah. and you know all kinds of things from like Terminator, the nurse to, like, that had the all bandaged up face and the uh, blood everywhere. 
the Silent Hill. Yeah, that I was, was going to say Resident Evil, yeah. but yeah, Silent Hill, Silent Hill. So you you probably can tell from my uh, picture that little video clip that I had, but like the makeup job that she had with like the veins like sticking out of her legs everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it was just like incredible, like Hollywood um, FX like quality yeah. stuff. So I of course loved all that because I'm just kind of into Halloween. We've always done like big uh, Halloween haunts at our house. Uh, I don't know if you know David Boyles, but. He's no, kind of like, I feel like he's like my kindred spirit. Like he writes hard <laughs> too, but he, you know, he's like, uh, loves to like deck out his house and do all that stuff for Halloween. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, yeah, so I got some ideas off the internet. So I knew I sort of wanted to make like a, a table banner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to one of my friends who's designed some things for, for me in the past. That's a skill I wish I had learned. <laughs> oh man, visual <laughs> art of any kind. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't have it. Yeah, I don't either. Anyway, so she made me like kind of a cool logo and sort of branded it the way I wanted to brand it. And, um, you know, now that I have a new uh, book coming out, Ghost of Group Hollow, um, I'm not going to spoil too much by telling you this. There's like a, a tarot scene, uh, tarot card scene in, in like yeah. one of the chapters where one of the characters gets a, a tarot reading. And, I, you know, it's sort of a, I don't want to say a pivotal moment, but, you know, it's, it's an important moment in the book. And so I ended up making, um, these tarot cards with mm-hmm. all the characters <laughs> from the book, like uh, most of the central characters from the book yeah. and um, for like pre-orders and stuff, I'm going to end up like sending those out. Cause I just, oh, that's like, very cool. They're fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, love, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like I got a, I got a book one time that had a, had a Uno card that had something written on it that was symbolic to like the book that it was in. And yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's fun stuff. Yeah, so I, I thought that's kind of neat. So I kind of spread those out on my booth, you know. You know, right at this point, I only have two books. So it's like, you know, <laughs> so the, the two sides of my uh, booth are sort of uh, bookended with the two books. Yeah, know, yeah. You're, you're in have. those places and you're between people yeah. that are like, I've got yeah. this series, this series, right. this standalone, this standalone, these yeah. nonfiction. You're like, huh. Yeah, they don't they don't cool. have room for all the like swag and stuff <laughs> yeah. out, of my, out of my booth, so. I don't know. I, th- I think at the end of the day, like doing one of those, it's just sort of um, you, you hope to create something like with your booth, at least that's sort of eye catching and just hope to get somebody's attention long enough to talk to them and just give them a little bit of a flavor for what your what your writings about or what your books are about. You seem like you're a pretty laid back guy, but I know talking to a couple people that they're like, man, after doing a doing a weekend at those things, you're just burnt out because like. Every time somebody comes up to you, you're like, uh, it's a story about a hunt. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I actually love it. I mean, it, it's been the greatest experience. And like I said, I've only done two. So I've done, and they've both been scares of care. Next year, I'm hoping to branch out and do a few others. But I actually love just like meeting everybody that's sort of into the, I mean, I'm into the same kind of things. I, I know you, yeah. you are too. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, while, while I do write books, you know, I'm also a fan of, of everyone, everyone else that's putting out um, this kind of fiction. So, um, you know, to me, it's like a, a super cool experience in two ways. Like you get to meet the readers. Um, these are readers that are super in to like the kind of stuff that you write. So it's like your perfect demographic. Yeah. Um, you get to hang out with them at the bar later. <laughs> yeah. And, oh. and, the other, 
And does your location in a place like that matter? Because I would imagine like if there's one entrance and you're as far from the entrance as you can get, by the time somebody gets to you, they're like, sorry, I already bought eight books, man. Like, is there, is there any of that in play? Like, yeah, no, I, I think that does matter somewhat. So like I was a little late to the party on uh scares that care, uh, the charity event. So yeah. the, this most recent one that I went to, so I was actually not on the main floor, which is downstairs. There's a whole nother floor and it's not set up like um, a large room with a lot of vendors. What it is, is like smaller, almost like classroom size or smaller rooms. Oh. And so what, what they did was set up about like four booths in each of those. Now, I was very fortunate on the, the room I got, I think, because it was the one that directly was facing where people exited the elevator and also came up the stairs. Nice. So we ended up getting quite a bit of traffic in that room, but I, I know there were some other rooms that I think they struggled uh, to get some traffic. And I could probably guarantee you we got a lot less traffic than that was on the main booth floor because I, I did visit there uh, yeah. a few times. Even though it was only me, it was, it was like, oh, I hated to abandon my booth. <laughs> but uh, yeah. occasionally you got to go down and, and like, you know, grab some books. and Yeah, go meet other people and see see what's going on i I had the same feeling anytime i walked away from my booth for even a couple of minutes i'm like what if you know nobody's nobody's even stopped by and looked in the last 20 minutes what if three people come by while i'm gone Ah." (laughs) exactly (laughs) but uh yeah no i don't i don't think i missed any sales when i was when i was gone but um yeah i've I've gotten advice from a couple people that were like, man, you got to be aggressive. If you see somebody that's wearing a shirt that's that you like, you'd be like, Hey, Hey man, come here. Nice shirt. Like, like holler at people, almost like carnival barker style. Did you, do you see people doing that? Are you doing a little of that? I mean, I, I'm pretty friendly. Yeah. You know, to begin with. So I'm, I'm generally like pretty outgoing like that. So, um, I, I work sales for, you know, an eight to five type job. Which, oh, that all comes in pretty good. Uh, hard to keep it. Wise, comes in handy, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I enjoy being around people. I enjoy chatting with people. So, like that part. I, and I think that part is important. Yeah. You know, especially, you know, there's somebody that may love the stuff that you write, but there is so much going on at one of these shows. Like their eyes just may never even meet your booth. They may just walk right past it. Yeah. Now, the good thing is these things tend to be like two to three days. And I think what happens a lot is people will go through um, like the first day and check out everything before they even really spend a whole lot of money. So like you were saying earlier, they might, I just bought seven or eight books. Yeah. I brought 40 bucks and I spent it. So typically they'll go scope out, you know, what they want to buy. I will say like at the author convent event, since it's totally dedicated to authors, um, I mean, those people came to buy books, like some of them left with 50, 60 books. Holy shit. Because that's the thing I think about when I go to the, when I think about going to one of those um, is like, man, it's going to be so hard to stand out if you go all the way out there and, uh, you know, just, I guess all the self-doubt things that, (laughs) that any creative person deals with. But uh, I don't know, man, do you, do you feel like you got plenty of you don't have to tell me all your exact sales numbers, but was it worthwhile, like sales wise, going out to those things? Yeah, it was a hundred percent worthwhile. Like you're never, I don't think you're ever going to pay for your whole trip or whatever. Um, yeah, if you pay for your hotel, that's awesome. Yeah, um, but I think the you know the bigger thing is you get to meet 
you know, other authors in your space um, who are writing in your space. And um, I love like, you know, a lot of the friends that I've gotten to know really well, other authors, you know, yeah. like yourself on like social media, but like getting to actually meet these people and, um, you know, just get to hang out and, and have some fun and talk about books and different stuff is like, you know, it's just like one, one step more. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we're getting close to the end here. So do a, that same elevator pitch for the the new book we've talked about the tear collector a little bit some of the characters people have an idea what that's about um what can people expect in the in the prequel here so in the prequel i think it's um you've already said it's 1934 right oh it's 1932 so it's 1932 sorry it's the height of the great depression uh in harper pass so it's in this the same universe but you've got like these completely different characters and you know, if you sort of got a, like a whole um, underlying uh, racial element um, running through that because of happenstance and one character happening to to be in the wrong place at, at the wrong time. Uh, and, you know, from the core of the tier collector, as far as like the big bad is concerned, a lot, a lot of there's a lot of similarities uh, there, but there's also a lot of differences just because of the time period. So it's a really fast paced read. Um, I think it's pretty scary. Um, read. And this <laughs> read. one's a novella too, right? It is a novella. Yeah. So, so a novella is by definition, like under 50,000 or 60,000 words. Something yeah. Like I think it's somewhere between like 20 and, and 50 is like the standard definition for a novella. Okay. So it's a good one. For like right around. This one's like right around 20. So it's a short novella. Okay, yeah. So then this one would be if somebody's like, I don't know if I want to commit to writing, reading a whole novel, read the prequel first, and then you can read them in chronological order in which they take place or, or vice versa. But yeah. Okay. So 1934 or no, I just thought it again. 32. Jeez. <laughs> All right. So, um, uh, one of my friends, Joe, who read it, he's also an author. He goes by Jotham uh, Austin. The third. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah. Know know I don't know him well, but uh, we've interacted a little bit. He's an awesome guy. But anyways, he, he read it, and he he really feels like it's ideal for fans of people that uh, like Ghost Road Blues. Like, same kind of, like, vibe to it. Um, and I don't, you know, it's sort of mixing that supernatural and and the other elements that are in it uh, kind of works in a similar way. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I think it's scary. Uh, I think like some of it's creepy and unsettling um, as you work your way through it. And, um, you know, there's some nice surprises in there for like, I I think for a short, short work, you really get an idea of like who these characters are and you, you sort of feel for some and, (laughs) <laughs> feel maybe a little angry at others yeah um but at, you know at the, at the same time like the others that you you might have some anger towards towards it's also like a little tragic because of like they're not getting a whole picture on maybe why they're doing things yeah so um you know i i think it's like one of those reads that like it is no risk because you can you can get that one for free digitally right now for me um 
if you're on Twitter, you can just go right to my pen tweet, grab that for free. I mean, that's kind of the idea uh, behind this one. Or you can uh, hop on my website and, and order a paperback if you prefer that way. had to recommend a movie and a tv show to somebody right now it doesn't have to be your all-time favorite it can be your all-time favorite or it can mm-hmm. be something that you're really into now just if somebody was like man sean recommend a good movie and tv show to me so i want to go a little bit a little, little bit different direction because like for uh the actual movie because i just saw prey and i'm obsessed with that movie right now i don't necessarily think that that is indicative of, of what I um, write. Now, there are some similarities. You've got like a big bad that's like hunting uh, sort of characters. Yeah. Although their, their motivation is more for sport where my motivations of my, you know, e- evil characters tend to be, you know, obviously something, some kind of grudge uh, yeah, <laughs> from, yeah. from the past. But that movie, Prey, the new Predator movie, I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't seen it, but I've heard only amazing things. It is phenomenal. I actually watched it back to back the day it came out. <laughs> like I finished it, and I like, you know what? I'm watching that again. And, and someone said too that it's the first major motion picture with an all Native American cast. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Um. So apparently, there's a dub in Comanche. So I'm gonna watch it a third time in Comanche. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, that's not like readily apparent when you go on uh, Hulu, but apparently there is. You just have to search for it a little bit. Huh? Yeah, that's that's cool. I remember. Uh, it's nothing like that either. But uh, Arrested Development. Oh, <laughs> I love that show, man. They did the same thing on Netflix where they had recut one of the old seasons into a a new mix. But then, if you like yeah. searched for a certain thing, then you could find the old ones the way that they were. I don't know. It was a, it was a weird nerdy arrested development thing uh that was an awesome show oh man i i didn't, I don't, I didn't love episode. the last season they made but yeah man, still good it's always money in the bananas there. there's always money <laughs> oh yeah no that was a great show uh and then as far as shows though i will like go sort of like similar universe i i think stranger things minus all the interdimensional stuff and um you know like sort of superpower stuff i think i think there's a lot of similarities as far as like the coming of age feel and sort of chemistry and dynamic between my characters and even to some extent the uh subject matter itself um i personally love that show just watch the new season now my kids are like stranger things junkies that's like now they're like watching videos of all the actors like doing raps and stuff (laughs) Okay, yeah, I'm not even I'm not even to the season that's out yet. Yeah. We we got derailed watching something else. Oh, I remember what it was. It was the um speaking of horror and not really in your face horror, but just like what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> um it was the um the haunting series, not the haunting of Hill House, but uh haunting of Bly Manor. Oh, was it good? Dude, it was really good. Like you're like, I know what's gonna happen, just do it. Oh wait, no, that's not it just it keeps you so like it I don't know. It there you go. That's a little that, bit waiting for it to happen. Just yeah, that I'm just gonna let the whole uh, that that's what it does to my brain. That's how good it is. Now everybody keeps recommending uh, Lake Mungo. That, that's a movie. And I haven't it's seen like it. Found footage. 
I've started it a couple of times, but I think I'm starting it too late because it's really slow at the beginning mm-hmm. to develop. But apparently, it's fantastic. So one of these days, I'm gonna. There's just too many things that I'm trying to trying to do to get to all of it. So yeah, yeah, same. I've I've got a list. I mean, well, I've already got like five books that I want to read, and a list of probably like eight just sci-fi shows because I've had a lot of people be like, "Oh man, have you seen Primer?" I'm like, "Nope." They're like, "You got to see Primer." So now we've got yeah primer and a couple other movies a couple other low budget sci-fi movies that people are like dude you like low budget sci-fi you got to see this 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 <laughs> we're sort of in the renaissance of entertainment right now because with all these competitive yeah. streaming services i mean there's more stuff getting made now than i can ever remember oh yeah oh yeah we were, it's we went through that period where it was all reality television that was not my favorite <laughs> yeah yeah i could i could take and leave most of it honestly i will say though i really liked the first season of, um, uh, I was going to say Road Rules, not Road Rules, uh, The Real World. Okay. The first season. First season of that show, they had like normal looking people. They had like a chubby guy that sang country music <laughs> and like a dirty guy that never took a shower. Like, you know, like yeah. real people. Now it's, all just, now it's all just super sexy people that drink a lot and are very horny. And it's, like, right. you know, it's okay. That's there's There's an audience for that, I guess, but it's not, <laughs> it's not what I would call intriguing. Right, yeah, I yeah, I, I need a little bit more story, I guess. Yeah, just a little bit more than like, oh, they're trying to run an ice cream store today, huh? Oh, yeah. okay. We'll see how this goes. It's gonna be a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh, I did want to let you know I'm about halfway through your book and and really enjoying it. So, right on. <laughs> um, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, finishing that one and seeing how it ends. It's definitely getting uh, really interesting around midway. <laughs> yeah, it just I I kept trying to pile it on and pile it on all the way to the end. So yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Other than that, um, you know, I got a new release or the re-release of the Tear Collector coming September 1st, and then uh, Ghost of Apollo coming towards the end of October. Like I, I was pretty insistent that that happens before Halloween. Awesome. Well, yeah, man. If nothing else, then maybe we can get you on even just for a, a quick just uh, promo to remind people that uh, that's out there when that comes up. Yeah, that'd be awesome, and um, I appreciate you having me on, Chris. It's really a pleasure to kind of like get to know you face to face. Yeah, and then yeah. Because we've talked about right back and forth on Twitter and Instagram. It's uh, yeah. it's almost weird when you turn on the screen. It's like holy shit, there's a real person yeah. behind there. <laughs> well, hopefully we get to the same uh, con one of these days and then we can like have a beer. And uh, That would be awesome because I've been telling my wife for years now, we haven't gone back to Jacksonville. And I think now, because I was there when I was in the Navy, someone told me that they opened up the Navy bases to veterans. So oh, yeah. I now think I got to go get back there. And stuff there. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. There you go. We'll, we'll go over to the Navy base, you and me, and we'll play golf sometime. Sounds perfect, man. I'll get my yeah. clearance. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, man. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the book. Uh, as soon as I finish Brian's book, then I'm going to go and read the prequel. So, uh, and then I know what I'm going to be reading this fall when <laughs> when the sequel comes out. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait for that one to drop. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, um, good luck with all of it, and uh, just just keep writing, man. Keep writing, even if it's just for me. I'll I'll buy I'll buy your stories on Word documents if nobody else will. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. All right, man. Take all care. Right. You too. Bye.
Oh, just kidding. They liked us. We can lie to them. All right. Thank you, everybody, if you're still listening. Man, you made it. Congratulations. Hit me up on Instagram and be like, dude, I actually did it. I listened to the whole goddamn thing. Thank you, Sean Burgess. You were amazing. We'll have you on again, bud. Look in the show notes for links to get his books. I will see you later. Mwah. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Weird, right?